It is Monday, October 3rd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 4 Recap Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chef. And you might notice if you're watching on stream right now, I'm the only one here. My partner, Adam Krautwurst, is away for his other work. So uh, I thought about skipping the show altogether because there's lots more to do on a Monday. And I got to pick up my son pretty soon. But there are lots of things that I need to share from the football games on Sunday. And I know that there are folks out there wanting to know these things. So I'm going to run through every game by myself. I'm not going to hit on every single bit. You can find Jared Smola's usage notes every Wednesday on DraftSharks.com. You can also find details from every game in the Shark Bites section for free on DraftSharks.com, whether you are an insider or not. So you can find the info out there. But here are some key things from each game on Sunday. I'll start with the Vikings and Saints on Sunday morning in London. Dalvin Cook, healthy enough, it looks like. 20 carries. Two targets in that game coming off the shoulder injury. Alexander Madison, just three carries, one target. Of course, that one target went for a 15-yard touchdown. So he took away the touchdown from Dalvin Cook. But the positive is Dalvin Cook is healthy enough. We know we can use him going forward despite the shoulder issue. And then we'll see where that goes. On the other side, we'll see about Jameis Winston's health. He, of course, missed that game in London. Andy Dalton started in his spot. Andy Dalton did a decent Jameis Winston impression by going 11.3 yards with his average depth of target, according to pro football focus numbers. That's longer than Andy Dalton's had in his career. Maybe he can actually get the ball to Chris Olave when he plays in place of Winston. So we'll see about the QB situation there going forward. Taysom Hill, of course, made himself the story again, ran for a touchdown. That was one of his five rushing attempts for the game and the only one that came inside the red zone. So do not overrate it. He played 12 snaps total. Is there a chance that he can do that in any given game? Yes. And that's the only reason we talk about him. Did we say that there were tight ends you could start him over? For sure. That will still be the case going forward. Uh, Just make sure that you don't overrate what he has done so far on the light usage that he has gotten because it's not going to happen most weeks. Latavius Murray outproduced Mark Ingram in the backfield in that game. I think the thing to take away there is we're not playing Saints running back when we play Alvin Kamara. We're playing Alvin Kamara. It's not all that attractive a situation overall. So although Mark Ingram made sense as a play to some level yesterday, it was certainly not a given to deliver for us. So let's not overrate that position as we go forward. I personally lost out by playing Mark Ingram over Kenneth Gainwell. Now, I think that's a situation where if I had to do it over again, I think I would do the same thing. Obviously not if I knew how the stats were going to go, but I think Mark Ingram starting that game, didn't know he was going to leave with an injury. Starting him over Kenneth Gainwell certainly made sense. But, you know, just an example of how feeling like Mark Ingram can be um, a given if he's going to be the, the RB one, you know, can come back to hurt you. Uh, moving on to Falcons and Browns. We Cordero Patterson is the big news from that game. And it ap- actually happened today after the game. Uh, he did go into it with a knee injury played in the game, play a limited role. And then Monday morning had a procedure on that knee. He's hitting IR. It's expected to be a short-term absence. So it sounds like Patterson should be closer to the four games missed. That's the minimum that you have to miss on IR. So Patterson out for at least the next four games that leaves Tyler Algier is probably the backfield leader. He split carries with Caleb Huntley in yesterday's game against Cleveland, but doubled Caleb Huntley in playing time. Most of that came in the passing game. And I mean, that's enough to make him the guy over Caleb Huntley and somebody that we consider using here. The fact that he's sharing work means that we can't just consider Tyler Algier a given to start in fantasy lineups, but he belongs on fantasy rosters in pretty much all leagues for at least the next four weeks. They get the Bucks next, then the 49ers. 
those are going to be two tougher matchups for him. So we'll get to see how he does against the Bucks, decide what to do with him against the 49ers. And then those two weeks will should do a good job of setting us up for whether we can play Tyler Algier against the Bengals and against the Panthers the following two weeks. And that's the window that Patterson is going to at least miss. We'll see beyond that. On the Cleveland side, David Njoku, second straight strong outing. We like that as David Njoku fans around here. He was right with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones in routes run in that game, despite Harrison Bryant running as the number four pass catcher. He was right behind that trio in routes. So we like the role for David Njoku. We like him being able to get involved in that passing game, especially because it's a limited passing game. So like David Njoku as a tight end option going forward. Bills Ravens in a rainy game that gave us unders on both points and passing production kind of throw that out because of the weather. Jamison Crowder broke his ankle in that game. So no more Jamison Crowder this season. The question, does that make Isaiah McKenzie the guy in charge of the slot job or does Khalil Shakir now take on some of that work because we lost Isaiah McKenzie to a concussion in yesterday's game. So we got more Khalil Shakir in that game. We'll see now. Once McKenzie is back, once he's through the protocol and certainly the stuff surrounding Tua Tagovailoa lately only makes McKenzie more likely to miss further game time with that injury. So we'll watch that situation. We'll see next time out, next time the McKenzie is available, how they share work. If it is McKenzie in charge, that would obviously make him a stronger fantasy option. And in deeper leagues, maybe we go ahead and stash Khalil Shakira to see what happens with him on the Baltimore side, Rashad Bateman playing time down and he left early in the second half. And there's some word about it being an injury, but I haven't seen a specific report on an injury that he sustained. So, you know, leave it in the comments if you know what it is. I was searching around before the show. I didn't see a report on the injury. I didn't see any listing in ESPN's injury um, listings for all the guys who are hurt right now. So we'll see. Demarcus Robinson stepped in, took over that spot in the second half. I'll be curious to see what's up with Rashad Bateman this week. J.K. Dobbins grabbed a lot more work in the Baltimore backfield in that game, played 10 more snaps than Justice Hill. So that's not a huge gap, especially when you consider Justice Hill hurt his hamstring in the second half of that game. But 17 opportunities for Dobbins versus 10 for Hill. So that's good. Two touchdowns for Dobbins. Obviously, you love that if you ended up using him in fantasy or if you have him on best ball teams. Don't overrate the two touchdowns as indicative of his role there. He is certainly the first guy in both as a runner near the goal line and uh, as a receiver and his work should continue to grow as he gets further removed from his return. But I have to imagine Baltimore does not want to overwork him at any point this year. And they just said this afternoon that Gus Edwards is about ready to start his return clock. So um, we'll see how soon Gus Edwards gets back on the field and exactly what those roles look like, but good stuff for JK Dobbins foot injury, by the, by the way, Jacob Anders says on the, uh, uh, YouTube for Rashad Bateman. So we'll keep an eye on that. Thank you, Jacob, for the info on to Cowboys at commanders. We had Michael Gallup returning from his injury. Finally, for that game, uh, Dalton Schultz also returned after missing week three. So Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup, both ran 24 routes in that win over the commanders right behind CD lamb at 29. Noah Brown remained in that mix as well, but he hurt his neck near the end of that game. So we'll have to see if he's available in week five and see whether Michael Gallup's role grows. I would have to assume Michael Gallup's role continues to grow and that he takes over that number two position pretty soon, even if Noah Brown is healthy in the backfield. Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard have obviously been sharing stuff for a while. Zeke yesterday took his largest share of their combined work 
among the four games to this point, he went 60% in week one between those two guys. And I'm talking total opportunities, carries plus targets, 54.8% in week two, 53.3% in week three. So it looked like it was coming down 65.6% against Washington. Does that mean the Cowboys clearly prefer Zeke to Tony Pollard and we should worry about Tony Pollard? Not necessarily. It does mean that we can't count on Tony Pollard being a standalone option right now, and we'll need to see where things go. I would have to think Dak Prescott returning, which should be soon, helps because that makes passing more attractive for the Dallas offense. But we'll have to see because that level is certainly not a level at which we can comfortably use Tony Pollard as a standalone fantasy option. The Washington backfield talking about uncomfortable Antonio Gibson is already losing work and Brian Robinson's not even back on the field yet. Jonathan Williams jumped into the mix against Dallas only played six snaps, saw five carries, but he was in the mix on the team's first possession. So it's not like they got late in the game and he got some touches in garbage time. Washington does not seem satisfied with Antonio Gibson. Brian Robinson is nearing his return, might be back on the field as soon as this week. So stash Brian Robinson, you know, keep trying to trade uh, Antonio Gibson. If you have an opportunity, it's going to be tough. If you can't, you know, stash him and we'll see what happens. Obviously there's always the chance that Brian Robinson goes down again and Antonio Gibson stays in there. So we'll see where it goes. Jahan Dotson also left that game late with a hamstring injury. So we'll have to watch his situation. Seahawks 48 lions, 45, the shootout. We all knew was coming. It's time to take Geno Smith seriously, it appears, at least in weak matchups. And that's what he got yesterday. 320-plus yards passing in two straight games for Geno. A league-high 77.3% completion rate through four weeks so far. I, I'm shocked, but that's why we have to take it seriously rather than just say, well, yeah, Geno loaded up on fantasy points against the Lions. That's what everybody does. Next week brings a tougher matchup with the Saints. I can't say I'm going to be starting Geno Smith next week, but... You know, if he's sitting at like 25 when our rankings first come out uh, early in the week, I'm going to say, hey, Jared, we got to move Geno Smith up because he it, it appears that he's for real. And then week six, uh, Seattle gets the Cardinals. So I think that's a potentially usable spot for Geno Smith. And we'll see exactly who the quarterbacks are that we're looking at that week to determine whether we're playing him. That's when the buys start, too. So that could put Geno Smith more in play. Rashad Penny. Congrats if you started him. 17 carries, 151 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Now, the pump the brakes point about that, his touchdowns came from 36 and 41 yards out. Obviously, part of the allure to Rashad Penny is that he's a fast enough, athletic enough guy to score from long range. That stuff's just not going to happen normally, though. So, you know, make sure you don't treat that as though he just had a monster day on 20-plus carries and scored twice near the goal line. You know, great day. He's capable of big days, especially in cake matchups like Detroit is. But let's remember it's Rashad Penny. Might be a trade. It might be a sell high opportunity for Rashad Penny coming off of that one. Not saying give him away for whatever you can get, but at least do a price check. Jared Goff had a big day on the other side. It might seem like the same kind of thing as Geno Smith, where we maybe believe in Jared Goff, but he hasn't shown as much as Geno Smith to let us do that yet. He arrived at just 58.9% completions, 6.7 yards per attempt coming into that game against Seattle. And that was with the guys healthy, with Amon Ross St. Brown around, with DJ Chark on the field, with TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift around. He still had those lackluster numbers. So yesterday, I think it was more a matter of Jared Goff running up against what appears to be the worst pass defense in the league. Seattle hit week four as the league's worst pass defense by Football Outsiders DVOA. So going forward, give every quarterback a boost for that matchup 
against Seattle. And we'll see about the health of the Detroit receivers for week five. Chargers 34, Texans 24. The Chargers are okay after all, especially Austin Eckler scored three times in that game. So you breathe a sigh of relief if you have Austin Eckler on your rosters and you've been getting worried about him. That said, it's not time to totally forget about your concerns because his playing time is still down a little bit versus last year. You know, mentioned Rashad Penny's touchdowns coming from long distance. Not nearly so long for Eckler, but he did score from 10, 20, and 14 yards out. So that doesn't really answer the question of whether he has to split or give up goal line touches to Sony Michelle going forward because we didn't see those touches in yesterday's game against Houston. We're going to have to watch and see where those go. We're obviously starting Austin Eckler if we have him on our teams going forward, but you know, we can't lose sight that yesterday he had 13 carries versus 10 combined for Joshua Kelly and Sony Michelle for the season, just 10 carries ahead of that duo 45 versus 35. So there's some sell potential to Austin Eckler. Again, not a guy that you just unload for whatever you can get, but if you're in pretty good shape at running back, there are a lot of teams that are not. So Austin Eckler might be a guy that you think about packaging in a trade, seeing if you can upgrade other spots on the Texan side, Damian Pierce, nice day. He inflated his stat line for sure with a 75 yard touchdown run, but he also handled all of Houston's carries, got one more target, one more reception than Rex Burkhead ran six more routes than Burkhead for the game. So what we love about that game is that Damian Pierce is clearly their lead back. They were trailing the entire time and he still played more than Rex Burkhead in passing situations. So like Damian Pierce going forward, we'll see just how high he climbs in our week to week rankings. Titans 24 over the Colts 17, Derrick Henry. Obviously we love him getting hundred yards on the ground, but I think the even better takeaway from that game is his targets. After one total target through the first two games, Derrick Henry's got 11 of them through the past two games. That's a 23% target share over those two games. And that's excellent for Derrick Henry because he's not going to be giving us 100 yards on the ground every time out this season. So if he can give us 80 plus yards plus 20 plus percent target share, I mean, that's the guy that we all would have comfortably drafted in round one instead of fading to round two. So we like that. What we don't like from the Titans is Traylon Burke suffering a turf toe injury, likely to miss multiple games here. So We'll see exactly how long. I think the first signal we'll probably get is whether the Titans put Traylon Burks on IR. They have not done so yet. That would knock him out for at least four games. So if they go through this week without putting him on IR, that says that they don't expect him to miss more than two. They're at least hopeful he makes it back for that third. So we'll watch and see what happens there. On the Colts side, Matt Ryan continues to look worse than Carson Wentz, and it's hurting the offense. It big yardage yesterday for Ryan in that game. Obviously, only the 17 points, though. He spread it around, which hurts our fantasy uh, teams. I wouldn't worry about Michael Pittman. There's going to be games like that where it just gets spread around instead of concentrated to one or two guys. But the O-line is not playing great. The pass blocking wasn't awesome last year. The run blocking is worse this year. Pro Football Focus has them at 20th in run blocking grade so far team-wide. And that's certainly not helping Jonathan Taylor, who had another unproductive day and then finished it with an ankle injury. The good news from Adam Schefter, the tests are negative. He has a chance to play Thursday night against Denver. It's tough to have Jonathan Taylor right now because you're worried about his performance, his production, but there's not really a whole lot you can do. You can't really trade Jonathan Taylor right now. I mean, maybe you find somebody who's like, oh yeah, Jonathan Taylor is bound to bounce back and they pay for him like he's Jonathan Taylor, the number one overall pick. 
If that's the case, you know, go for it. But it, it, even that's going to be tough this week because he's now coming off the ankle issue. So the best bet is to hang on to him for now, play him, see what happens. We'll see if there's a sell window or if the Colts can just rebound in general. Ultimately, you probably just kind of have to hang on to Jonathan Taylor and see what we get from him going forward. Giants 20, Bears 12. The next one, the Bears had 35 dropbacks in this game and it did not go well. 11 of 22 passing for Justin Fields, 174 yards, no touchdowns, six sacks against the Giants who are not known for uh, pressuring quarterbacks all that much. Didn't throw a pick in this game, but did lose a fumble. You know, things not going well for Justin Fields. He's obviously not, obviously not anywhere close to fantasy lineups if we can help it outside of two quarterback leagues, of course. And I have him in a two quarterback league where I didn't start him either the past two weeks. Darnell Mooney, four catches, 94 yards on five targets. No one else for that team topped 24 receiving yards. So it continues to be a passing wasteland. And we'll see where we go from here. But it doesn't get a whole lot better than a matchup uh, trailing against the Giants. On the Giants' side, Daniel Jones, ankle injury. Tyrod Taylor left that game with a concussion. Sounds like Daniel Jones might be fine to play this week. He did re-enter that game after Tyrod Taylor left. So we'll have to watch and see how good that ankle is. If he's not, it's Davis Webb time probably for the Giants. That's not good for anybody, but fortunately we're not starting anybody besides Saquon Barkley in that Giants offense anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Barkley dominated on the ground, lost two rushing touchdowns to Daniel Jones in that game against the Bears. We also lost Kenny Galladay. I say we, we shouldn't have Kenny Galladay on our rosters, but he went down with a knee injury yesterday. Another wide receiver injury for this Giants team. We'll watch and see when Kadarius Toney and Wandale Robinson are coming back because those are really the two guys that we're most interested in for any fantasy potential going forward. Philly against Jacksonville and that game at first, if you were watching the scores on Monday, it Jacksonville jumped out to a 14, nothing lead. Part of that was a long interception return by Andre Cisco. And then it quickly became Eagles, all Eagles. They scored the next 29 points, took over the game. Another rainy one like Baltimore Buffalo. And I think that's why we don't actually have too many takeaways from this game. Trevor Lawrence was awful. He lost four fumbles through an interception. His first fumble was him just dropping it as he was trying to scramble around. Probably a factor of the wet ball on the rainy day. Again, bad game. And if you played him, you know, he hurt you this week with all those turnovers. But I think ultimately there's not a takeaway from this one because of the weather. And it, I mean, the matchup was difficult to begin with. So both of his touchdown passes went to Jamal Agnew, who worked primarily in the slot. Zay Jones was out that pushed Christian Kirk to more outside routes than he normally has. We'll see about Zay Jones for week five. Once Zay Jones is back, we should see things get back to normal. And Christian Kirk will be better most weeks than he was yesterday. He led the team with nine targets, only caught two. Tough day in the rain, facing a tough defense. That's going to happen. Eagles on the other side, light passing day for them. Again, in the rain, playing with the lead for a lot of it after coming back from that deficit. And Miles Sanders was awesome. Career high, 27 carries, 134 yards, two touchdowns. Don't feel bad if you didn't start him. I didn't start him in one league yesterday. Now I'm praying that Jeff Wilson doesn't make me regret that one tonight. We also got rushing scores for Jalen Hurts and Kenneth Gainwell in that game. Don't expect that kind of rushing volume for Miles Sanders weekly going forward. I mean, that's why if we didn't start him, that's why we didn't start him because we're looking at more like 15 or 16 carries, 27 carries in that one. Definitely not the norm, but we like that he's at least able to deliver when he gets the ball that much. Jets 24 Steelers 20 technically Zach Wilson led a comeback win in this one he finished the game with 50% completions though two interceptions so 
I can excuse you if you're a Jets fan excited about Zach Wilson leading the offense back to a victory over the Steelers, but just don't get too excited for fantasy purposes. We're definitely not excited because the Joe Flacco to Zach Wilson switch is certainly not a positive. We'll see if it continues to be a negative for Jets pass catchers. The biggest takeaway for us though, is Brees Hall looks like he has taken over that backfield away from Michael Carter, 17 carries to nine for Hall in that game against Pittsburgh, six targets to three. He played more than Carter in both passing and rushing situations. So it's what I hoped was going to happen. I wish it had happened earlier so that I could have taken Brees Hall more in my drafts, but at least we're getting more Brees Hall now. He's going to be somebody that we use a lot more than we don't going forward. And then Michael Carter is going to be somebody that we put on our benches instead of starting. If he's getting that level usage in a, in an offense, it's going to be trailing teams more often than not. Kenny Pickett on the Pittsburgh side replaced Mitchell Trubisky in the second half. And we saw George Pickens targets per route jump with that quarterback switch. Now it's one half of one game. So we're going to have to watch and see if that actually helps George Pickens going forward. It's nice that there's at least that possibility. We'll see what happens beyond this game. Ahmad sauce Gardner, the first round uh, cornerback for the jets also played well in that game. So he that's probably factored into where the targets went and who produced among Steelers wide receivers and who didn't. So we'll see once Mike Tomlin announces who the quarterback is actually going to be for week five. I don't think that he has actually said anything about that yet. I would have to assume it's going to be Kenny Pickett and we should expect it to be Kenny Pickett going forward. And no, this is not Smola for the question on YouTube. This is Matt Schaaf. Um, Sorry, guys, I won't be able to get to those questions in the YouTube chat like I usually do because I'm the only one talking today. So I can't do the typing while Adam's doing talking. On to Cardinals, Panthers, both offenses continue to stink. One of them had to win in this game. It was the Cardinals 26-16. Kyler Murray at least gave us three total touchdowns in this game including one on the ground. He also threw for only 207 yards. So definitely pumping the brakes before I get too excited about that particular performance. And it's going to be easier to pump those brakes hard because the Cardinals get the Eagles in week five. And the way we've seen the Eagles play the past few weeks, we don't want to, we would like to not have to play Kyler Murray against Philly in week five. We'll see about the options as we get into projecting those week five numbers. Rondale Moore returned for this game at wide receiver for Arizona, spent some time outside because the Cardinals were without AJ green in this one that allowed Greg Dortch to spend more time in the slot once again. So we'll have to see once AJ green's healthy. And then soon after that, once Deandre Hopkins is back on the field from his six game suspension, that's going to show us really how Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch split time or don't if Rondell Moore is going to take over for Greg Dortch. We don't know that yet. So we're waiting to see. Fortunately, fortunately for those of us who might have to make that decision, I should say, I'm not sure it's fortunate overall, but the decision is easier because the answer right now is to not use either one because this Arizona offense is not one we want to bet on at the moment. Carolina side, Christian McCaffrey was the big question mark. We didn't know until he, he was likely to play. They said he was expected to play, but there was also always the caveat that he had to test the thigh injury in pregame warmups ahead of the late game. He did. He played. He was fine. The receiving numbers were big. Nine catches on nine targets, 81 yards, one touchdown. The team's only offensive touchdown. The rushing, eight carries for 27 yards. He accounted for 41% of Baker Mayfield's completions and passing yardage in that game. And like I said, claim the team's only touchdown. You know, let it be a reminder to all of us. 
if Christian McCaffrey is expected to play, we go ahead and play him, especially once we find out he's active, we go ahead and stick him in the lineup because I feel worse about leaving McCaffrey on the bench with points than I do about putting him in my lineup and missing out when he goes down. Packers 27, Patriots 24 in a game that shouldn't be that close, except that Green Bay is clearly not as good this year as it was the past two years. Romeo Dobbs, Alan Lazard, clear leaders in playing time and targets among wide receivers for Green Bay in this game. Lazard caught six balls for 116 yards on eight targets in this one. Dobbs, five catches for 47 and a touchdown, nearly added another touchdown as well. So both of those guys gave us worthwhile to strong fantasy production. They're both in the mix for fantasy starter spots going forward. So it should certainly be rostered. Robert Tunyon's worth rostering in a lot of places, scored a touchdown in that game against New England, but also drew just two targets. So we don't want to overrate that for him. Still ran a route on just 57% of Aaron Rodgers' dropbacks. So certainly not a lock. He's more like Logan Thomas level usability at tight end. And actually even Logan Thomas ran more routes than uh, Robert Tunyon did for their respective teams in week four Patriots side, not a whole lot to take away from the passing game. Cause we got Bailey Zappi after Brian Hoyer went down early in that game. Mac Jones sounds like he wanted to play in that game. So we'll see if he's able to make it back soon. Ramondre Stevenson, probably the biggest takeaway still ahead of Damian Harris and overall playing time, primarily for the receiving had a team high five targets, team high four catches in that game. Harris beat Stevenson 18 to 14 and carries though, got the touchdown between them on the ground. Both of those guys usable, neither a guy that is must use, excuse me, in your lineups going forward. Raiders 32, 23 over the Broncos. Obviously the big story coming out of this game is Javante Williams going down for the season towards ACL and LCL. So done for the year. Melvin Gordon's the first name that pops into mind, but he was splitting time with Mike Boone yesterday. It might've been injury driven. Um, Melvin Gordon came into the game with a neck issue. Didn't make him questionable, but did limit his practice time on Wednesday and Thursday last week. He did go to the injury tent for a little bit during yesterday's game. So we'll see what Nathaniel Hackett says this week about the backfield plan, but both Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone belong on fantasy rosters in most leagues this week. And again, we'll see how the work gets split and, and at what level we can use both players. Russell Wilson was at least okay for us this week. He's a similar day to Kyler Murray, where he didn't blow it up stat-wise, but had three total touchdowns, including one on the ground. So finally helped us if we used him yesterday. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, back to even in playing time and production in that game. Both of those guys look like solid to good fantasy starters, as long as Russell Wilson doesn't play terribly going forward. Then the Raiders side, Josh Jacobs, 28 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns on the ground in this one. We called him a buy. This is what you got if you did buy him. And better than the rushing because the rushing was already there. He was already dominating the groundwork for the Raiders, but he got six targets in this game. That was second behind only Devontae Adams among Raiders. He caught five for 31 yards, just like Derrick Henry. This is a second straight game where Josh Jacobs got excellent receiving usage. And that's what we need if we want to carry his fantasy value week to week. So we love that development for him. That's 11 targets over the past two games. And after the game, Josh McDaniels called him one of the best backs I've ever been around. So we can officially put to bed any notion from the offseason that Josh McDaniels doesn't like Josh Jacobs. He clearly does. He's using him that way now. And Josh Jacobs is a fantasy factor going forward. Chiefs at Bucks to close things out on Sunday night. 
And the big development here was Clyde Edwards-Elaire going from playing less than Jarek McKinnon in week three, actually playing fewer snaps than Jarek McKinnon in week three, to playing more snaps than McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco combined against Tampa Bay. So apparently not only is Kansas City going to move wide receiver targets all around every week and make us guess at who's going to lead in targets and guess which tight end is going to run the ball into the end zone. They're also going to make us guess at how often Clyde Edwards Elaire is actually getting on the field. I stupidly didn't just play him. I, I sat him in favor of Evan Ingram because I'm an idiot in a tight end premium league yesterday, missed out on the two touchdowns from CEH. Now I do still think that CEH is a sell high. I don't think that yesterday's usage is going to become the norm for him. I think it is going to vacillate. We'll see. Uh, you know, if it does become the norm, then great, because I certainly drafted him on a lot of best ball teams and that would help his chances of scoring more of those touchdowns going forward. But for now, we at least play him if we have him, because being a Chiefs running back gives you a better chance of scoring a touchdown than not being a Chiefs running back. Isaiah Pacheco is also more involved in this game. We'll see if that becomes a trend, though, because like I said, Things were very different the game before, so it might have just been how things worked out for that particular game. Sky Moore also passed Justin Watson in playing time in this game, so that's going to be something to watch. It's not yet to the point that um, he's usable in fantasy. He only ran 11 routes in this game, but 11 routes versus 19 for McCole Hardman, that's a pretty good level. That's a good jump for Sky Moore, and so we're going to watch him to see if he can keep progressing and get into the fantasy mix going forward. On the Bucks side, we got some wide receivers back healthy. We got Mike Evans back from the suspension. He, of course, scored as Mike Evans tends to do. The biggest thing for the Bucks side, though, was Tampa hacking off a large chunk of Leonard Fournette's playing time and feeding it directly to Rashad White. Now, maybe it was partly a function of falling behind early to the Chiefs and playing chase in that game. They threw the ball a lot more, ran the ball a lot less than in previous games. So we'll see if that continues. But it's a positive development for white. Even if it's a one game thing, we at least know that it's a possible thing in a game that they play him more. We know that trailing game script has a chance to mean more playing time for Rashad white and not just passing work for Leonard Fournette as opposed to rushing. So we'll see where that goes, but Rashad white should absolutely be on rosters wherever it's possible because at the very least he's a strong handcuff. And if Leonard Fournette goes down completely, he looks like a near complete replacement. So, that's going to be it for this one-man recap for this week. I hope you got some nuggets that you could use. You can head over to DraftSharks.com now, though. You can read through the Shark Bites. We've already put a bunch of info from Sunday's games up there for DS insiders and non-insiders alike. You can read those there. We've got more coming as we keep getting through all the games. Then, of course, one more game to go tonight. That will have info up there as well. Then Tuesday, it's on to the waiver wire articles. It's on to our Week 5 projections. It's on to all the stuff that we do to try to help you win next week. That's going to include our next buy, sell, hold report, the second of the season hitting the site Wednesday. So check it out. We'll let you know who we're buying, selling, or holding to see what happens going forward. I've been Matt Schauf, giving you the recap for all of the Draft Sharks crew. Thanks so much for swimming with me.